ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Proud to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Burris Optics. Find what matters. Proudly made in the USA. Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios, initial ascent, expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand. And that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers. Ultralight element protection for your gear. Stay on your game. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. So we're on with Mr. Jeremy Dupay. What's up, buddy? How you been? Been well, man. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. Just uh, plugging away, kind of itching to go chase anything, something real soon here, man. Hoping to go get after yeah. some pigs in the next few weeks. I feel you on that. I've actually got a hog hunt scheduled for March here. Coming nice. up pretty quick. You run to Texas on your hog hunts, huh? That's correct. Yep. Down in Texas. Any, any reason in particular you go there? Have you, have you headed out, uh, out here to Cali at all to hunt them or? I've never gone out to Cali. Um, I kind of steer clear from Cali. I'm honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh uh, man. But (laughs) 
you, you know a little bit about that. We talked about that at the, uh, the Western Hunting Expo. Um, if you recall, I don't, I don't oh, know yeah, if you I remember, remember, but yes, sir. I think that's one of the reasons we hit it off. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing so, I will, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. we just, I just, no, you're fine. I was just going to say the reason we go to Texas is, uh, my, my, uh, a good friend of mine has uh, friends down there and that's where we, we, uh, that's how we ended up going down to Texas and we've just done it ever since. So. Yeah. I was going to say, you can't let, uh, you can't let the politics, uh, scare you away from some of the opportunities here in California. Some of the pig opportunities are phenomenal, but we really do have, man, we have some great hunting here, but, uh, you know, to come in for a I week or so it. and hunt, you don't, you won't get too, too much of the crazy exposure. Actually, you know, as much as I make fun of the state because of that, um, I think most people are a bit taken back by the expectation versus what they experience when they're here. Now, I'll, you know, I will qualify it a bit and says, you know, say it depends on where you go. But if you're chasing animals or something, man, you're not going to. I, I think it would you would have a, a a little bit of a head change on it. I know when I'm out of state and I'm watching some of the news and stuff, especially you know Utah. A lot of it um, when we were there, I think we've been in Utah three times in the last few months, and it's always the same thing when you leave the state and then you see the news feed and it's like, huh, where's that going on at? <laughs> it's a trip, right? Yeah, it's it it's it is it. This whole uh, this whole political crap is. It's a bunch of nonsense, man. I'm I'm kind of tired of it, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there, man. I think uh, I think <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah, I think most of us are are, are pretty worn out. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't care what aisle or side of the aisle rather that you're standing on. It's uh, it's exhausting. It, it literally is mentally exhausting to focus on that much jargon and negativity and banter this way, that way. You know what I mean? It's just like, man, stand me on my head. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, just bang me on the ground a few times. It's just, it's old as hell. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So before we tangent too far, man, give everybody a little background, let them know who you are and we'll uh roll from there so i'm jeremy dupay i'm a owner of lethal mountain um i have been in the hunting world uh not as long as most people uh probably about six seven years um i got it i grew up in a family that was really outdoorsy but uh we didn't do a lot of hunting we did a lot of fishing camping that kind of stuff but uh, the hunting just wasn't it wasn't there um, I've always, uh, been a big, uh, bow, bow guy. I used to, uh, bow fish a lot growing up and, uh, that's how I kind of got into hunting. I met a guy, um, his name is, uh, Les Hinman. He's a real good friend of mine. Um, he kind of took me under his wing as far as the hunting goes and, uh, took me on my first couple hunts. And ever since then, man, it's just been a passion of mine. I've, completely dove dove in head first um and and it's any type of hunting every type of hunting i i want to try it i want to do it i love it it's it's my life and that's uh a life that i didn't know i was gonna fall into but a life that i couldn't see myself not uh having now that i'm in it and uh 
that's kind of why I started Lethal Mountain is uh, more to find ways to help contribute and give back to the conservation aspect so I can continue to hunt and let my children experience um, the joys of hunting and the experiences that you do experience when you're out in the field because there is nothing on this earth that is like hunting there. I mean, it is, it is amazing. So that, uh, you know, that's kind of a bold statement, uh, especially when, when people don't get it right. But I say the same thing, like, I don't care, you know, and you said, you know, your family was outdoorsy. Uh, and then you consider, you know, Utah, it's something like 73% of the population partakes in the outdoors. Um, right. But it's one thing to be out there and be a spectator. And then it's another to be out and an active participant in, you know, that, circle of life sounds cliche as hell but there's there is a night and day difference in that man absolutely there's uh there's nothing like it and every hunt holds its own holds its own uh, uniqueness that you just can't compare it to anything else i get asked all the time like what's uh what's your favorite animal to hunt or what's your favorite type of hunting and i really i'm not able to put a finger on it because they're all so unique it's just there's so many different things that you and aspects to it that you just can't pick one. At least I can't, I know there's a lot of guys that say they can, but I'm not one of those. I want to, I want to experience all of it and I enjoy all of it. So <clears throat> kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of drives my wife a little crazy. Cause I'm, uh, I'm, uh, a little, uh, obsessive compulsive when it comes to it, I dive in head first and I just, consume myself I just I started waterfowl hunting and just went in a hundred percent and she was like can't you just test the waters you, you got to dive all the way in I was like well you know it's, it is uh, waterfowl. it's just my personality it's how I <laughs> it's how I work yeah. so I'm the yeah. same way yeah how gotta did, dive in right so you have to how how in the world you got to explain this one to me. So, you know, you, you said you started off behind the bow, bow fishing, but it almost seems like, yeah. it don't, you know, that, that in most instances, at least from where I sit, the bow fishing is kind of a, a push through the off season. One of those activities, how in the world right. do you, how didn't that not progress like rapidly and, um, you know, really, really fast being behind that bow, because once you, I don't care what, if you're shooting trad or compound bow fishing, whatever it is, that bow, man, it's gonna, it spins you out of control. Oh, absolutely. No, I, uh, I actually started with the trad bow and worked my way into compound bows. And we, uh, we just bow fished a lot. My, uh, my family was all fishermen. They, they love to fish. And my, uh, my sister, uh, met a guy who um, bow fished and he saw that I had an interest in shooting target archery because I would shoot just target in my backyard. I was young. I was probably 13 or so at the time. And I would just shoot a bow in the backyard and he saw that I uh, had an interest in it. And so he offered to take me out uh, carp hunting as he called it uh, with him. And uh, from there it just kind of spitballed and I, uh, started doing a lot of bow fishing. And then years later, about 
I was probably 20, 21. Um, I met a guy, uh, Les, who I spoke about earlier, and I met him through work. And he saw that I had a Hoyt sticker on my back window because um, my dad actually worked for Hoyt. And so I got some equipment uh, through them. And uh, he saw I had a Hoyt sticker. We got talking about uh, archery and then he asked me if I, if I hunted and I said, no, I, I don't, I've always had an interest, but nobody in my family hunts. None of my friends growing up hunted. So it was something that I've always wanted to do. always wanted to try, but I didn't have, um, I, I, I guess I just didn't feel comfortable diving in by myself. So I needed that, that, uh, door to open through someone else. Um, and it did. And, here I am. That that's interesting as well. <laughs> Cause you know, you're, you're right. in Utah, right. And, and I hear that a lot in, you know, and uh, your favorite state over here, you know, man, I, I didn't even know that this was, you know, accessible or possible. Um, and it's kind of, uh, I don't know the word for it, but it, you know, our, our, urban setting here people don't even know that this exists folks don't even know that there's deer in the mountains 20 minutes from them but you would think in right. you know a state like utah that that opportunity is just screaming at you oh it is absolutely i grew up around hunters and and uh, and stuff but it was just not i guess it just wasn't anything that my young mind thought was something that was attainable for myself I could see it that uh, I mean, yeah. that's kind of likened to my situation, right? Is I remember, you know, cause that's what we did do is we, I, if we weren't on the lake fishing every other weekend, it was, it was more frequent than that. And I remember seeing, you know, pig and deer on the lakeside and, and I would just stop fishing and I love to fish and uh, I would right. just be spellbound, man. And that just stuck with me for years and years and years until, uh, I finally was oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, you have the means to do it. It makes it a lot easier, too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I probably hunted um, as, as a as a beginner. I probably hunted a lot of different uh, types of hunting, like uh, different species than most people would do when they just begin. The first year I, I hunted, I hunted uh, deer, bear and pig. So that's uh, it was quite a quite a experience to experience all those different things so fast and so rapid. And man, I fell in love. I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I try and bear hunt every year. I try and deer hunt every year. We try and pig hunt every year. It's, it's just, uh, a lifestyle now. And I just, I, I couldn't see, see it any other way. So tell us a little bit about lethal mountain and what made you start that and what it is. So Lethal Mountain came about because um, I wanted to get involved more in the outdoor in industry and uh, try and do my part to give back. So my whole idea behind it was I could make donations to uh, conservation, make donations to uh, organizations that are within the hunting industry, such as like the Mule Deer Foundation or Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Um, I donate to them for their banquets. And it was just something that 
in my mind, I could give back to conservation um, that's giving so much to me. So that that's that's kind of how it all began. Um, it was an idea that I came up that came about in my head while actually deer hunting. Um, that I could try and find a way to, um, make some money that I could give back and, and, uh, help in, in any way that I could, any way that I could. So beyond, beyond volunteering or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, I'm still pushing for that goal. Um, we're, we're getting there slowly, but surely, but so yeah, that's uh, a little bit of the backstory on Lethal Mountain. That that is a, and I don't know that that a lot of folks recognize, you know, unless they've tried to start something like that, right? That's a heck of an undertaking, um, especially when you're talking like apparel, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's there's a a lot a lot of cool apparel companies. Um, Absolutely, it takes a lot to get that going. And you're putting, you're almost, you're almost putting everything else to the side to get that going. Mm -hmm. But with the idea that you had to start that, you know, in order to be able to help more um, is commendable, man. A lot of, uh, I shouldn't say that that's horrible. You know, there's, there's selfish reasons involved in a lot of stuff we do. Right. And I'm not saying that about anyone who's starting anything. I don't want, you know, to get crucified. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but to have those to have those selfless reasons in it um, and, and and maybe there is some, you know, there's a little hunting is kind of a selfish pursuit, if you will. Right. There's this, you know, achievement aspect and things like that, that we that we find pleasure or benefit into ourselves. But, um, man, when I love hearing when somebody says I want to do this for the greater good, that's uh, that's a that's a dope mission. Yeah, man, it's the, that's the goal. I mean, um I think everybody should have some type of goal like that in mind. I mean, we, we take so much for granted as, as hunters and outdoorsmen that uh, at least we could do is try and find a way to give back. And that's all I'm trying to do. Just a little more. Yeah. And and I don't know how many times I've brought it up on the podcast, talking to folks, you know, the, the days of purchasing a tag and a license, um, it, it, that aspect of being a conservationist is uh, is no longer viable. We need to do a lot more than that. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So one of the things I, I was looking at, I'm, let me see, I wrote it down, but I want to actually go to it. Um, right after we had met and then I started following you, I think it was, and, and you had, there was a couple quotes on there that I, that I liked, right. And, and two in particular stood out to me. And one of them was enjoy the view, no matter where you find yourself. And that, you know, of course you have a picture. I think you were walking down a road or something, if I remember correctly. Um, on on a mountainside but when when i that just hit it out of the park for me right because that goes and this is how i tie hunting in maybe this is my rationalization for being obsessive with it um but i could tie so many 
so many things with hunting into life. And, and that was one of the things that stood out to me when I read that quote was, yeah, that's absolutely a hundred percent factual on the mountain, almost every single moment. But even in life, as we're looking around us, how important that is. Right. Yeah. That's uh that's definitely something I try to live by. I mean, there's so much negativity and ugly in the world, but if you just take a moment and, and really look at what's going on, you can find good in every situation. There's always, always something to, to, uh, there's always some way to see beauty in the moment. There's always something that is positive in every situation. doesn't matter what it is. There's always something that can be uh, taken that way to where you can turn it around and have, make a positive, positive out of it. So I try and live that, live by that. You know, the, we were talking about it as, you know, as we open this conversation, but that flood, right? The flood of the negativity, that we see on a shit. I can't even say day to day minute by minute at this point. Um, again, oh, from man, yeah. both side of the aisle, right? I mean, how do you, that quote is important because you need to remain focused on that because you know, it's, you flood yourself with, with all that negative and all the, you know, this side, that, and this side, the other, you, you just, you lose your mind. Yeah, I, I used to I used to be real hardcore focused on uh, politics and pay attention to them, and I found that it was just pouring a bunch of negativity into my life, and I just couldn't take anymore. So I just stopped. And there's so many so many people out there that want you to be one way or another, and if you're not, they they just no longer like you or have problems with you. And I just think it's a childish and antiquated way of thinking. I mean. Um, there there's so much more to life than these stupid, stupid politics, political things that are going on in our lives. Um, it, it, we should, we just need to look past it and, uh, honestly, uh, come together because that's the only way anything is ever going to work. So. And that's, again, that, that, now that part of it is, it, it seems like it's even more difficult now, right. With all the different, platforms and the things that you know we're holding up to our face it, it seems like 24 7 um with that flood it, how do you how do you pull away and focus on you know enjoying that view no matter where you are how do you unplug that's the that's the number <laughs> one question right how do you how do you unplug from the nonsense um focus on, focus on what's important to you. Focus on your family, focus on, um, your goals. I mean, those, that's, that's the best way to do it. Stop paying attention to what's going on, um, and things that you can't control and start paying attention to what you can control. I, I mean, that's the best advice I could give anybody. So, you know, it's funny. And as I watch all this stuff go down, it's like, you know, you, you have, you don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a middle ground with most folks, right? But you have a view on one side, a view on the other side. And depending on where you're leaning, right, that that information is where you're going to start, you know, pushing your bias to, right? The more you see of one side, the more you believe. Um, and, it, and it's almost like, 
it's almost like there's blinders on for anything else, right? Like you're talking about looking, looking at the good around you. I don't know that people are actually mm-hmm. seeing it because of the blinders and the constant, you know, look to that left side or that right side or every one of you. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, uh, Facebook's a toxic place, man. Facebook, Twitter, all those, they're, they're toxic places. That's, uh, I, that's why I put my focus mainly on Instagram, honestly, because it's, I like seeing pictures of the things I like. Um, pictures are a huge thing for me. I don't know if you know, but I'm into photography a lot. So, uh, pictures are huge for me. So that's where I, I like to spend my social media time is on the Instagram platform. Cause going on to the other ones, it's just toxic, man. I, I'm, I don't like hearing everybody's opinions on everything all the time. I just, just, I don't know. I, I don't understand why, uh, it used to be, you could have separate opinions and still be friends. But now it's, if you have a different opinion than me, we're not friends. Right. I, I, I think that's a really poor way to look at life. That's yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, you, you can't, you know, it, I will always respect someone's opinion or view. I don't have to agree with that. Um, but you're absolutely right, man. Those days is just, it's like that went out the window, went out the window. Let's have yeah. a conversation, share your side. I'll share my side. We can, both leave with a head change, but we don't, you know what I mean? Or not, but we don't have to be mad about it. Right. It's just respecting your view and your opinion. And, and all of us want our opinion or our views or what we say, you know, at least heard and respect. Um, and it's just the extreme of that crap. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's up to everybody to make up their own mind, whether you think that mind is, uh, stupid or or not it's up to that person to make up their mind you can't change that person's mind for them so what's the point in wasting energy on being mad about it or i mean you look at it it's like what do you what do you what have you done or what are you doing to make any situation better and i'm not just talking about politics with that right if you're not right if you're not putting any effort in to make a difference. Can you really, mm-hmm. can you really say anything about, you know, what someone else is doing? If all you're doing is bantering and complaining about what they're saying and doing it, it just, the, the shit don't make no sense. It's like, where, where's your, it effort? doesn't make sense. You know, where's your damn effort? Yeah. I, and, and that, that goes with everything, right? Everything takes effort. Nothing's nothing comes for free in this life. Everything takes effort. So, I mean, you, you got to put in the work for anything. And if you want change, if you want to change, you got to put in some work to get to that change. And if you're doing, I guess my opinion of it, if you're doing right, if you are flying right, <laughs> and if you are trying to make the best of your situation, right? Cause everyone's situation is different. Um, then that's where the focus should be. That's where your, your set should be. Your energy should be not the constant banter and complaining, especially with no action out in front of anything. I think, right. I, I, I don't know. I, it's almost like we're reactive, but we're fed the reactions. 
And at least that's how I see it. I think it would be good for everybody to uh, go out and experience a, an elk hunt so you can actually experience the, the ups and downs of an elk hunt and realize the type of work that goes into that because it, it changes a person and makes them realize what hard, actual hard work is. I don't, I mean, elk hunt, there's nothing like elk hunting in my mind. It's, it's insane. You're going to drive the, uh, the, uh, sheep guys and the high country mule deer guys crazy with that one. <laughs> well, well, if I'm honest with you, I haven't done those, so I can't speak to those. <laughs> yeah, me neither, but I agree, man. Elk hunting is, uh, you know, that's my baby. It is. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, uh, if, if I had to choose, if I had to pick the screaming bull would probably be right at the top, you know, for me. I, I, as much as I have enjoyed hearing bulls, there's something about getting past the sex appeal of it and into, can I figure these animals out when they're not talking? And the last two years have kicked my ass that way. And now it's just, it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that if the bulls are screaming, I'm not going after them, but man, there's something else about oh, yeah, getting into the other nuances um, and the less audible um, talk, you know, if you will, that uh, that they're doing and trying to capitalize on that. That is, I mean, that, that's the, where the real highs and lows are, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about highs. You, I can tell really you about the lows. The highs and lows. <laughs> I can tell you about the lows, definitely. <laughs> I don't know if I can Absolutely. talk on the highs yet, man. I don't, uh, and I, I, I don't know that I don't know that you can top a, a screaming bull coming running into you though. I, I, that's it. That's one thing that's just, man, I, to talk about getting the hairs on the back of your neck to stand up and getting the chills all over and feeling that adrenaline rush kicking in and see, seeing them come down the the side of the mountain and they're just screaming and you know, they're coming right for you, man. I don't, that's, that's something that's unbeatable. When that, when that bull is standing 18 yards away and he pipes off and that damn bugle pierce, I mean, literally pierces through your soul, oh man, from head to toe, it is, uh, it's next level. I don't know. I'm smiling oh, ear to ear absolutely. thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. I'm getting the chills right now just talking about it. Uh, I had a, a couple of incredible experiences this past season and, um, Man, I just uh, it just plays in my head over and over and over again, and I just love it. All right, you got to give us at least one of them. Well, I mean, I had uh, I I drew a limited entry tag for Manti this year, and uh, I spent ten down ten days down there hunting. Um, uh, me and me and a buddy of mine, just just the two of us back there hunting, and we got into a few situations with bulls where I was thinking I was going to be able to capitalize, and it just didn't happen. I mean, it was it was so many so many opportunities, and we were chasing this one bull in particular, and I, I ended up having him uh, locating him early morning, uh, two days before my hunt was over. And we decided to make a play on him, um, went into where we last saw him and waited him out all day. Um, and 
we ended up getting him to start responding to us and start talking to us. And he, uh, was making a play towards us. And, um, just as he crests the, the hill and we see him and we start hearing this noise behind us and I turn around and a whole herd of elk had came in a couple other bulls and a bunch of cows. And then they tore off out of there. They came right up on us and we had no idea they were coming from behind us. So I was thinking, man, my hunt's blown, uh, as far as capitalizing on this bull we've been working for. And, um, next thing I know, I hear a bugle again and he sounds close he sounds real close. So we bugle and get him talking again. He's, you can tell he's working towards us. And, uh, we start hearing a noise coming through the trees like 20 yards in front of us. And, uh, (laughs) this is where it gets a little interesting. Um, I, I step out and I'm getting ready to draw, um, and (laughs) out walks a sow with a cub and she's 20 yards away and she's headed right at us. And so my buddy, um, is getting a little nervous. He, he hollers, uh, Hey bear. Hey bear. Hey bear. <laughs> and the bear just looks up at us and turns around, moseys off. And again, we're thinking, okay, that's, uh, that hunt is blown. Uh, cause the bear came in, but again, the elk bugles and we start working him again. Um, and he comes down the, down the hillside right into where I, I was planning on him coming. I draw on him. I had ranged the stump planning on him walking right in front of that stump. I drew on him. I fired a shot 50 yards, uh, right over his back, completely missed him. (laughs) Missed heart sank. He runs off a few yards and this is at like last light. And I know if I don't capitalize now, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to, to get another shot on this animal. So we range him. I had him at, I believe, 70 yards, if I recall. I drew, fired the shot, and I, you hear the smack. And I was just, like, my heart was just pounding. I was so excited. I thought we had him. And so we gave it about half an hour, 45 minutes, before we even went to look for blood or arrows or anything. And uh, we walk over, picked up my first arrow that I had missed the shot on. And uh, searched for the other one. We couldn't find the other arrow anywhere. And um, I ended up looking everywhere for blood. And there was nothing, not a drop of blood. We couldn't find anything. And we were both just so confused because we both saw him get hit. We saw it, it, it hunched and everything like it, it, it had made good, uh, good impact on it. And uh, yeah, we, we couldn't find anything. So we decided um, to call it and come back and look in the morning uh, when there's some daylight out. So we do that. We come back in the morning and I ended up finding blood um, just off behind where we had been looking and it was just a little bit of blood. So that made me super nervous. Um, and when we continue on down this trail that we had uh, figured he had taken off down and I ended up finding a lot more blood and it started being puddles of blood. So I'm getting my hopes up again. Um, but long story short, we ended up tracking the blood for over 400 yards and never found him. So 
most uh, devastating hunt I've been on to date. That? <laughs> Outside of the swing and the miss, man. So 2018, 2018 was my first elk hunt and was up in Wyo. Uh, man, I don't even know if we were in the woods an hour. And uh, Bull comes in. He's screaming at me. I think the closest he got was 12 yards and he's just screaming. I let one fly. I think he was at 22 and uh, just pinwheeled him, dude. And it was, you know, you look at that shot and I replayed that shot over and over and over and over. I had oh, it yeah. on video and uh, man, kind of the same, kind of the same outcome. We ended up finding the carcass a day and a half. I think it was a day and a half went by. Somebody had found him before we did. Um, you know, and uh, bye bye bull. But man, the the emotion that goes through you, I mean, from finding that first little drop, right? And you're hesitant, mm -hmm. even when you go and you see, you know, for me, you know, we're, we track probably 500 yards. He did this big, almost half mile loop on us. And, uh, you know, we started seeing pools and it's like, okay, he stood here. He has, there's, there's pools on both sides of them. We knew it was a pass through. And I mean, you're talking pools of blood. Um, right. But you never, you know, you, you, your hopes get up, but you never lose that. This is bad emotion. Right. I mean, it just, that Absolutely. roller coaster sucks, dude. My stomach, I couldn't sleep the night, you know, after we, that, the night I shot him. Um, it's just yep. absolutely worse feeling, dude. Yep. I ended up spending, uh, three days looking for him. In fact, I had another buddy who drove down and, uh, just to help us look. And we spent the rest of that hunt searching for that bull to the last day of the hunt. We spent the entire time looking for him and, uh, was never able to turn him up. So, uh, that's a tough SOB I drew, though, man. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I don't know that I would have, uh, hunted, hunted any longer after drawing blood like that. That was, uh, a question that uh, kept being brought up to me is do you want to see if we can capitalize on another one since we can't find this one and uh i just don't know that i could do that at that point it's just it was rough man i i, I don't think i've ever been um I, I don't think i've ever had anything so hard that roller coaster is um, rough yeah that's a that's a crazy ride man and, and you know what you you bring up the fact that whether or not you keep hunting right and and that was what three years ago for me and i still think should i have kept going you know because mine uh, essentially what happened is it got poached out somebody found the bull before right. we found it um and you know it was like okay do you keep going here well i arrowed an animal um and then what, you know, my thought was, okay, I thought it was a good hit. This is a good hit. It was a little bit higher than I would have liked and a little, you know, maybe a little bit back. But that's where that's where I had the dilemma, right, is, okay, right. I, I killed an animal, right? Maybe I didn't get to put hands on the horn and, you know, take the meat home, but I killed an animal. And and that's really what made me call my hunt. Um, and even on that right. tag I had, I could have went back up, you know, two, three times to Wyoming on that special tag and, uh, and taken an animal, man. And I struggled. That was September, 
I want to say that was September 22nd or 23rd. The tag, I want to say the special tag runs antlerless till somewhere around February. And I struggled for, mm-hmm. you know, September to February after that happened on whether or whether or not I wanted to fill that tag. And it's just. Yeah, absolutely. Here in Utah, we have a extended archery hunt where you can go and hunt. Um, if you don't fill your tag, you can go on the extended and try and try and fill that tag. And, um, that was a dilemma in my head all the way through, um, until the very end, uh, do I go and try and capitalize or, or do I just, uh, say, you know, I drew blood. I that's, that's my tag. Um, and that, that's, uh, that's what I ended up doing. I, I didn't hunt elk anymore and, uh, how I kept my mind off of that because that's a very hard thing to, uh, not think about is I, uh, focused on waterfowl hunting and that's how I got through my winter. <laughs> so, but yeah, that is, the, that's a memory that will haunt. I mean, literally haunt you till the end oh, of yeah. days, you 100%. know, you, you can't, you can't 100%. remove it. <laughs> it sucks. No, no. Yeah. And it was, uh, like such an incredible hunt. Like, so many wonderful opportunities and so many missed opportunities. I mean, we decided not to move on a few of them just because we were after this one bull. And now I play it back. I'm like, man, if I would have just went after that other one, maybe I would have got one, but, um, got one home. Right. And, uh, it is what it is. It's just going to be going to be there forever and in my head and I'll I'll just deal with it, but you got to roll with the, Hunches, man. I mean, it's, that's why they call it hunting, right? Well, there's it's something not, to be said. Killing. There's something to be said about setting a standard or setting your eyes on something and saying that's what I want. And I, I think that's commendable when guys make a choice um, to up your game, if you will, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with you know taking any antler um, as long as it's legal. But I. I totally respect and appreciate when when someone sets in and says this is the caliber or class or this is what i'm after and uh and you hold your guns on that it takes a that's a lot uh, it takes a lot of restraint to do that especially when you get later in your hunts absolutely and even for uh for someone like me who hasn't been hunting as long as most guys uh you get a lot of opportunities on smaller animals and it's hard. It's hard to not take one, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's just something that, I mean, I've, I, I won't lie to you. I have taken, I've taken does and, and (laughs) right. But it's, it's just something that, um, I try my hardest to, um, let them grow. I mean, hunting is always better when you let them grow in my opinion. So, that's what, that's what I would like to do. So better in terms of what better in terms of your pursuit or what you get out of your pursuit or the herd dynamic. I don't want to go as far as that. I don't want to, I don't want to go as far as that. Cause then people are going to start calling me a trophy hunter. Cause that's definitely not what I'm about, but it's more, more like what you just said. <laughs> you yeah. sca- scared of the <laughs> moniker, man. <laughs> I, mean, I want to go. I wouldn't say I'm scared. I'm just saying it's cause I, cause I have no problem with it. I mean, you want to shoot a small buck, then shoot a small buck. You want to shoot a small bull, shoot a small bull, but that's your, I mean, it's, it's to the, the hunter's discretion, but it's for me. Um, I try, I would try, I would like to get 
get something that I'm going to feel super happy with. And I don't know that I would be uh, super happy shooting a small animal. And that's to me, it's, it's about feeling that confidence and you made the right decision. And I want to make sure that I always have that. Right. But I mean, trophy, the, the trophy hunting, right. Is that, Yes, it's a real thing, but in in terms of how that came about, it, it's not something that we do, right? Per se, right? Um, in 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 their own respects, I have a little two by three that he's actually hanging up in the garage, um, the the garage slash podcast studio that he he's a trophy in his own right. So you know, and that's why I was poking fun at you there because I don't I don't see anything wrong with you know trophy hunting um you know i'm not going to go out and kill an animal just to kill an animal and that's it right um right there's there's going to be use of the meat and and whatever else right and and respect the entire process there but i don't know that trophy hunting is a bad thing when we're using it the way you know at least here in, in the States, we use it. Oh yeah. I agree with you. I I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, claiming that as your trophy. That's not, that's not at all what I mean by that. And, um, there are, there's just that stigma that goes with, with hunting, right. That you just kill in to hang something on your wall. And I've, I've had, I've had people say that to me with the, because just recently I have, uh, I shot some birds and I got them, uh, done up through the taxidermist and, um, I had a, a a lady who was telling me that it was wrong to taxidermy the the birds and it was wrong to kill them in the first place. And I just, I don't know. I, there's just that stigma that goes with it. And I, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> well, we do utilize everything, you know, I mean, who, who, who would like that? Right. Right. No, I hear you. But what, I guess we have a responsibility, right. To, redefine that or reshape the thoughts around what trophy hunting is right and to me that's explaining the process explaining why we do what we do and a lot of it yeah i want to hang that big old bull up but it's not it's not a pound well to a point it is let's be honest right there's a little bit of a pound my chest thing there right i accomplished something um you know in in what we do that that is next level um but there's mm-hmm. a, there's another respect for the animal it's memories it's it's paying homage to that animal you know beyond oh, yeah. that grip and grin right so i think we have a responsibility to address that stigma right with that topic and and that has to start with us you know being comfortable and okay with having the discussion amongst ourselves right and honestly it's for me the stuff that i have had tax had done through the taxidermist is uh it's all about memories it's nothing nothing about uh wow this animal is incredible it's the best best biggest animal i could have gotten there's nothing about that it's more that hunt will go down in my brain as one of the most fun hunts i've ever been on and i want to remember that and every time i see that sitting on my desk or on my wall that's going to be something that brings that memory into my head and that's what i love about it you know, so I, I pulled it up, right? Cause I was curious and I've never really looked at it, but it's, uh, and this is Wikipedia. It says trophy hunting is hunting of wild animals for their trophies with the trophy being the part of the animal 
Um, part of the animal kept and usually displayed to represent the success of a hunt. The game is sought typically a large or impressively ornamented male, such as one having large horns or antlers. Generally, only parts of the animal that are kept as trophies, usually the head, skin, horns, or antlers, and the carcass itself is used for food. It says right here that we're using it for food. You know what I mean? So there's a stigma behind it that I think is almost prehistoric. Um, and maybe that's not the right word. Of course, it's not the right word. But you know what I mean? It, it's antiquated. I don't know. And I right. haven't heard or seen of, of folks that are going out. I mean, even if you look at in terms of, you know, African hunting, the the stigma around Afri African hunting is, is trophy hunting, right? That's generally what people say after they say, you know, hunting in Africa, right? Oh, a trophy hunter. And it's not the case. You know, that these right. it's sustaining communities. It's providing jobs. Um, if there wasn't hunting in Africa, there would hardly be anything left on the landscape because of all the poaching that goes on. You know, it, it's absolutely again, it's up to us to change the stigma. And if we have an issue with calling it trophy hunting it is what it is like you know for me i want a, a big five and or better in, in terms of elk right that's my trophy right. right i have no qualms about that um you know i'm not going and i'm not you know okay if i go out i chop the antlers off and i walk away yeah there's a problem with that that's trophy hunting um the, the yeah. lack of respect and neglect for that animal but yeah i think we have to be okay with uh with that and i don't i don't care if you're a trophy hunter bro <laughs> no yeah i i agree i i agree with you uh as far as that goes i i just think it's a lot of people that are um myopic that uh choose to choose to look at it in a negative light. I mean, well, and it goes back to us displaying it, right. Us displaying it, not telling right. the story, not. And I feel like a broken record when I say this, but not displaying the human elements. Right. And, and why we do this, um, what it provides. It's not, hard. It's hard to see that. It's hard to see that unless you experience it. It's really hard. Yeah, but it but it is something that, you know, most of the conversations that I have, if you have that conversation and you can present the human side of it, it is always an eye opener for most folks. Um, I haven't right. had a conversation. I ask people like I have one going off on my Instagram. I posted uh, Joel went on a cow elk hunt and there's a guy on there. Just, uh, you know, he started firing off and, and Joel's handling it. You know, usually I'll jump on, but he's handling it pretty eloquently and just saying, hey, man, this is, you know, this is why I do this. This is my choice. Let's have a conversation. Um, so I'm curious to see how that goes. But at some point I'm going to ask. But anywho, I ask these folks all the time, like, hey, let's get on and have a discussion about it, you know, and, and just respect. I respect your side. You respect my side. And let's just have an open conversation and and banter back and forth about what hunting truly is, what it really is. And, you know, if you can give me your view without being an a-hole, then, you know, let's go after it. And they never want to. Um, which I right. always find interesting. Right. Well, it's because it's, uh, it's not backed by any kind of evidence. It's hard to, it's hard to argue something that you can't back with any kind of evidence. Yeah. It's that, that whole, 
that whole road is uh <laughs> it it's yeah it's full of it's full of cow patties man it's interesting yeah and it just goes back to what we talked about earlier man you just got to look at everything with an open mind and um put forth the work i mean if we want to make a change make people feel different and better about it and that's how you do it is by having those open conversations with them so I said there was a couple things that I had that I had picked up on with you um, way back. And uh, if you ain't having fun, what's the point? And I find myself <laughs> <laughs> I find myself and I'm sure there's a lot of us. Right. There's times where I am so intently focused or I am so frustrated that I lose sight of why I'm really there, right? What, what brings the best out in me while I'm in the woods. And when I leave the woods and the things that I've learned about myself, um, Mm -hmm. but man, it's so important just to, to never, never let that frustration or whatever, you know, that animal whooping on you, (laughs) that animal best in you. Cause 90, 90% in elk was 90% of us are getting bested most of the time. Um, right. You know what I mean? So man, that was, uh, again, something that I saw and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm digging it. Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's another thing I try and live by. I mean, we got to have fun in life or, or, really what is the point i mean there is a there's not much worth doing if you're not having fun so make everything fun and everything's worth doing so how do you how do you stay how do you stay in that mindset when you're tromping around the woods on that limited entry tag and you're just getting the kicked out of you Oh man, part of that, part of the, the best way to do that is to have somebody with you that's that's willing to talk shit and run their mouth. I mean, for me, <laughs> uh, for me, and my friends, that's 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 what gets us through, man. Is just talking shit to each other and on each other, and it helps you stay positive. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. So it depends. It depends, right? It depends. But I mean. The other thing, the other thing that goes along with that is being able to talk shit on yourself, being like, man, I, I suck ass at elk hunting, but you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to put that into words, but it's, it's really just, man, don't be, don't be so hard on yourself. Take, take it easy. You know, uh, live a little lighter. It's, uh, it's funny because, man, as easy as it sounds, dude, there's those moments when you're like, why am I why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had yeah. 11 months to get my shit together and I can't figure this out. It it just it almost doesn't make sense. <laughs> like last year, man, I, my saying was, yeah, the Elkwoods hate me. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities, dude. <laughs> and it, it is like. It's like they're controlling the elements, dude. We were on a cliffside, and we had this bull. I mean, he's just beelining, dude. You can see the trees parting. He's just coming right in this little little new growth, aspen grove. And the wind is just, I mean, you want to talk about blowing in our face? It would, it would have been the perfect 25, 30-yard frontal shot. And, I mean, this dude was just moving. And as I, I kid you not, dude, he was probably a step from breaking through and exposing. 
all of a sudden he just he just saw the opposite, right? As as the you know trees were parting coming to us, just out of nowhere he blew, and then immediately, dude, the wind was just hitting our necks, and and it was just I looked at my buddy, he looked at me, and all we could do, you know, after the what the f was start laughing. It was like it, this doesn't even make sense. Right. Doesn't even make sense. I love that though. I mean the fact that you were able to just laugh at it that's that's awesome man i mean i know that's what you need to do i mean how else do you get how else do you get through it tears cry it was it was yeah, the weirdest crying thing doesn't get you through it though no, it doesn't no it was uh it was something else dude it was <laughs> it was nuts and when they're coming in i i go into this I don't even know what the hell it is, man. I get like my flow state has a little touch of evil in it. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, it's something else. We had a couple opportunities and them damn elk, man. They're going to be the death of me. <laughs> it's just it, it's such uh, a remarkable. It, oh, hell yes. There's such a remarkable animal to chase, man. There's so there. There's so much that that go into them and the thought process. And I for me, a lot the the social aspect of them and, and understanding right. that, you know, that language and when to do what. I mean, it's just holy crap, man. Those little nuances just fire me up. Yeah, it's there's nothing like it, man. There's nothing like it. It's an incredible experience. And there's nothing that nothing that uh can beat you down so bad and take you to the lowest lows and then the next moment you're at the highest of highs and then at the next moment you're right back down. It's just a wild up and down roller coaster that's incredible. Yeah, one of the, you know, walking away from these last couple of seasons with it, one of the things that has grown on me in terms of appreciation is you know taking those lessons from that previous year those ass kickings if you will and right bettering myself on those levels right and and just getting that much closer and and understanding that much more and really trying to be insightful to my approach and how I'm approaching, you know, the, the game, if you will. Um, cause them sons of bitches will humble you every time, man. Um, yeah. And there's nothing that teaches you better than failure. Oh dude. Yeah. It's uh, and you know, and that's another weird, another weird conversation, I guess. I don't know. Is it, yeah, in terms of coming home with, you know, with the unpunched tag, it, it, it's a failure. <laughs> Ain't no shit about it. But, you know, when you're advancing your game um, and you can get to that level, especially and I say especially because it's been my my scenario the last two years with, you know, pretty much silent elk. I think this year we had maybe three bugles. Um and mm -hmm. two of them, no, one of them was not even in season. It was, uh, it was, it was 12 hours, dude, 12 hours before our season kicked off 50 yards from our base camp, um, on our, oh, on wow. our level, went at our faces and we were standing there watching him rake and scream. And it was just like, damn. And, uh, during season, I mean, you're talking 23 days on the mountain. There was two more bugles after that, uh, that night. But uh, I I just I lost track of my point thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but putting all that stuff together, 
putting it all together and then taking, you know, all that and really dissecting it to up your game. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, you fail cause you left home, you know, you left and didn't bring nothing back, but did you really, if you're, if you got those takeaways and you could better it for the next season? Yeah. I mean, if, when you look at it that way, I guess, no, you don't really fail. It's a, it's a growth period, right? It's not, not so much of a failure. I mean, or that's just me making excuses for eating another tag, but <laughs> it's, well, uh, I mean, yes, yes, it is for sure. You're definitely making excuses for eating a tag, but, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, to, to that end, I mean, yes, it is a, it is definitely something positive though. That's, it goes back to the other, I mean, you're getting something positive out of it. So look at it that way. Cause if you, if you focus on the other, all you're going to do is be sitting there wishing you had done something different and that doesn't do anybody good, any good. So yeah, focus on the good stuff, focus on the takeaways because that's going to help you in the following season anyway. So. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, those realizations, man, and, and, and putting it together, you know, what's funny is you'll look at a scenario and you, you know, you think you have, you have this game plan and you walk away from it and you had, you had everything that you should have been doing figured out. And then in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, just that, just the slip of the, the one, the one bit of information that you forgot to employ at that moment is what blew you um, or something you didn't pay attention to. And when you have that, that's the hard ones for me is when you have that, damn, that's what I did wrong realization. Um, those ones yep. are a little rough. Yep. I have that exact thing in my head. Every time I think about this, that elk hunt I just told you about, it's that where I ranged that stump, knowing the elk was going to walk out in front of it. And then I didn't account for it being closer than the stump. <laughs> so I ended up shooting right over its back. And had I have taken in that extra measure and ranged again, or accounted for the closer yardage, I probably would have taken that elk home, but it's something that you learn from. I mean, next time I know, Hey, you're, you range that stump. Now you've got an idea of where it's at, but you've got to make sure that that sucker is either dead on that mark or closer or wherever he is, you got to make sure you know where that's at so you can make a, make a ethical shot on it. What, what would you say in terms of, of equipment? Did, is there anything because you, you hit the animal and I know for me, when I hit my Wyoming bull, you know, everything was great, but there were some changes to equipment, um, you know, arrow weight, things like that really started to, my eyes started opening when I, when I started to think about how big and tough that animal is, um, bone density and, and that muscle mass and whatnot, anything you're going to do with your equipment or you feel like that you, your setup's um, legit enough. My setup's pretty legit. Um, but see, this is a hard one for me because I go back and forth on it a lot. Um, it's something that's always in my head. In fact, I changed everything on my my setup as far as arrow and broadheads and everything um about a month before my elk hunt started i had changed my mind on everything and started shooting a completely different setup i went way way heavier than what i was shooting before because before i used to shoot for speed and now i decided i uh, should probably put a little more weight on it 
And, um, you know, if I, if I had been, sh- I shot a mechanical broadhead as well. Um, when I shot that bull and part of me thinks, well, maybe if I would have, maybe I, I kind of feel like I clipped his front shoulder a little bit. And if I, if, uh, if I had been shooting a fixed broadhead, maybe I would have punched through that. Maybe not. So it's something that, uh, keeps going back and forth in my head on. But, um, as far as changing my, my arrow setup, I don't think I will. I think, uh, I think my setup's pretty solid. Um, but broadheads are always a question, right? Um, and, uh, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know if I would, what I'm going to do. That's something that I'm going to have to figure out and, uh, get some practice behind it before, uh, hunting season starts. But, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'm going to go as far as broadheads. Yeah. That's so usually, a- usually we use our, our hog hunt to decide what broadheads heads are going to use for the year <laughs> that you but, know uh, that's you would one would think that that was that would be a good place like i i used to shoot mechanicals a lot um until i started mm-hmm. you know w- down the elk road um and i've taken plenty of pigs man with uh with the uh, grim reapers the expandables and i mean with great success mm-hmm. over the years man i mean those things were just deadly and when i got into elk man it was like okay this is I felt like it was insufficient for the animal. And there's guys, I know guys that, that hunt mechanicals on elk and are successful, you know, almost every year. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it was like pull out. I, I want, I don't want anything that has the potential of failure, right? It's already human element. You, you kick in the adrenaline and your, you know, your buck fever, if you will. I don't want to, leave anything to chance and then i after talking to uh james nash man he had you know talking single bevel broadheads and then you know really diving into how they work um oh my god (laughs) just look at single bevels it's unreal um i was a little bit skeptical of them at first and then the first couple that i bought i had some really wonky kind of flight issues that that surprised me um but as i dialed in man mm-hmm. and then you know started t- the way they were eating up my my blocks i actually uh did some ballistics gel stuff last year and uh man it's it's unreal what those things do after they after entry and it it the theory behind them absolutely makes sense um in terms of what they do inside the animal, but even after, you know, after the shot and the animals on hoof still, um, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. That's something I'll have to look into for sure. The, uh, broadhead that I ended up shooting, uh, was the rage hyperdermic. Uh-huh. That's what I put through it. And, uh, um, definitely put a lot of blood out. And the reason I did is, uh, I have a couple buddies who had, uh, shot some animals with them this past season and they were just uh detrimental i mean they were insane wound channels and um uh, it just didn't happen for me the the way that it happened for them and i kind of feel like i hit that front shoulder a little bit and that might be why but that's just me speculating um but uh yeah i should probably look into the into uh, other options and see what's out there yeah that uh 
I don't know. I'm I'm on the fixed with elk, man. I'm sold. Um, you know, like you said, you hit that shoulder, right? And you're just it, at that point, it's shot placement, right? You 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 got to make sure that you're avoiding right. that bone. Um, right. And again, the human element in it that uh, that can go south real quick, <laughs> torquing and real quick. Yep. Yep. Uh, especially on a quick shot like that. It's a, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. That's why, uh, I preach practicing. I mean, with everything, doesn't matter what you're using. You need to be putting the time behind it. Oh, absolutely. That, that drives me crazy when, you know, Oh yeah, I'm going hunting in two weeks. And that's, you know, as cliche as that, you know, don't start shooting two weeks before is man. I can tell you from as much time as I spend at the range, um, that's legitimate. It's not, it's not a stereotype or a cliche or any of the, any of the above, man. And it always blows my mind, you know, that guys are out and they're shooting two, three weeks before they haven't picked their bow up. And it's just like, damn it, man. Yep. And it's crazy. Uh, like you said, at the range, you'll, you'll see the influx of people coming in as, as soon as season. the season starts yeah, approaching. Yeah, man. It's nuts. You know, yeah. and that, that brings up, you know, kill me guys, but that brings up the ethics part of it. Right. I mean, if that, mm-hmm. if that's when you're dialing in, you know, what are you, are you really concerned with an ethical kill? Uh, you right. know, I mean, that you know, I could speculate it all, on all day. It's my opinion, but it's to me, it's that's a resounding no. You know, put that time in. Yeah. Confidence in your weapon is everything um, to go out there and execute and make sure that you know that that hit is going to result in the fastest death possible. Right. Yeah, I could uh, speak to that uh, a few years ago. I was on a bear hunt. And I had just purchased a new bow and I had taken both bows with me. Um, I had been putting time behind both bows, but when we got to bear camp, I was shooting them and I just could not get myself to hunt with that new bow. It just didn't feel right. So I ended up hunting with my old bow and was able to uh, take a bear that year. But um, I think it, I think that uh, proves that, man, you got to put the time behind it because I've killed things since with this, with the new bow and, um, I've have, I have all the confidence in the world with it now, but, it, but then I just, man, it, it, it just wasn't enough. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't see myself shooting that bow. So. Yeah, that uh, I got to agree. I don't care if it's your if it's a rifle, if it's a shotgun or whatever it is, man, there's there's no reason to be in the field with something that we don't have that we're not proficient. And I and and proficient, I mean, proficient behind to me. That's uh, that's one of the worst things we could do. I agree with you. If you follow my Instagram, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll see it. You'll see that. That's, uh, that's true that I do agree with you. <laughs> well, shoot, man, let's, uh, drop, uh, how can folks get a hold of you? Check out the lethal mountain apparel, um, you know, and help you build that, that brand, um, to where you can, uh, see that to fruition and, and, you know, make an impact in that conservation realm. Right. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at lethal mountain, uh, lethal MTN. Um, I'm also on Facebook by the same, um, same name. Uh, my website is lethal mountain.com spelled out. 
Um, you can find the apparel there. Um, and yeah, we'd love to see you. Love to follow, have you follow and uh, join in the Leaf of Mountain family. We've got a Facebook group going on on Facebook, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's how you can find us. Okay, yeah, man. And dude, did you notice that it, I said your last name right? You did. I was actually super surprised. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to call you out on it. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute! This dude didn't even say anything about me hitting the last name on the head, man." <laughs> no, yeah. Most people call me. Uh, call say like Dupix or Dupai or <laughs> Dubai. Yeah. So I was. I was super super surprised, but uh, I didn't want to call you out on it. <laughs> With a last name like mine, dude. I could, you know when I when I uh, when first met and I looked at your card and I just laughed because you know my last name is Duplanchet and people do butcher it right I mean absolutely butcher it so yeah I was surprised that you didn't say that right. I had to throw that out there and just so everybody knows it's <laughs> D-U-P-A-I-X so if you would have got that one then big ups to you yeah for sure because uh, most most do not. <laughs> Good deal, brother. I figured we ended on that note because I need to let I had to get my little shine in there. All right, brother. I'm good with it. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate the time. You bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take with three, six, and 12-month subscription options. Use Western Contours at checkout.